Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome back to the show. This is a special edition Sunday service bonus podcast. Now, if you are listening to the Green Industry Podcast, you know Monday through Friday, we have a fresh new episode every single day for you talking about best practices of how we can take our business to the next level. We're actually out on our fall road tour right now, having a blast throughout the Midwest. So stay tuned for some really good podcasts coming your way. Tomorrow morning, we'll be interviewing Greg Chisholm. That episode will be dropping Monday morning. Part two will be dropping on Tuesday. So be keeping an eye out for that. Now, this Sunday service is not about lawn care and landscaping. Those are the episodes Monday through Friday. We talk about best practices and practical strategies of how we can take our business to the next level, be as prosperous and successful as possible. The Sunday service, this is a bonus on the weekend where I actually teach from the Bible. So today we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 5. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. I am excited today to start uh, studying and just getting convicted, honestly, every time I read the Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus' teaching, it exposes me, it inspires me, it encourages me, and it just uh, shoots life into me. So without further ado, we're going to dive straight into this. This is uh, Matthew chapter 5 in the Bible. Uh, The entire sermon is found uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, We're only going to get through a few of the verses today. I kind of want to go deeper on a few verses rather than read a lot of it and uh, skim the surface. When Jesus teaches, there's multiple layers. It's like the onion where there's just so many layers upon layers of meaning. And this is something that we never graduate from, uh, meaning I'm continuously. I remember actually took a whole class in 2008 on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, now, you know, fast forward, it's 2020. So I'm not good at math this early in the morning. I'm at the hotel here in St. Louis uh, waiting for Naylor to fly in and picking him up, going out on tour. But uh, anyway, (laughs) I continuously, month after month, year after year, read what Jesus taught, look at where my life's at, and then try to make the appropriate repentance and and, uh, adjustments that my life is aligned with his kingdom. Billy Humphrey calls it the culture of his kingdom. I've heard Corey Russell call the Sermon on the Mount the constitution of his kingdom. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. This is a a stunning statement he opens up with. uh, Just fascinating to me that this is how he starts his uh, sermon. And he says, blessed are, so if you do what he's about to say, you're blessed. You ready for it? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is super fascinating. It's not talking about finance here. It's talking about the spiritual realm, our our spirit. And Jesus says, if we can uh, recognize the poverty in our spirit, the poor that we are in the spirit, then we're actually blessed. So again, don't. I used to confuse this with money, and this verse has is not talking about money. It's talking about this, our spiritual status. Do we think we are? Um, a hot shot? Do we think we have it all together and we don't need God? Are we full of that much haughtiness and pride? Or are we poor in spirit? Do we recognize that, God, I need you. I desperately need you. I'm throwing aside my foolish pride. I'm poor in spirit. I'm, 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 I need you. Now, I don't know if you've ever been poor in finance where you've the bill comes in, you're like, I need money. There's a, there's a desperation. There's a, a poverty of uh, money where you're like, I need help. I, I need money to pay this bill. Well, in the spiritual realm here, recognizing, listen, I need God. 
There's a poverty in my spirit. There's a bankruptness in my spirit. I need God. And most humans don't get to that place. Most humans, we're so arrogant, we're so prideful, we think that we don't need the Lord. We can do it on our own, and that's why most humans will be in the shock of further life when standing before Jesus to give an account of our life one day, and I don't want to be shocked on that day and realize that I lived my life in foolishness. Uh, I want to stand before God on that day. I don't know if we'll stand there, we'll just fall on our face, but I want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And uh, a gateway to that, in a, a foundation to that, is that poverty of spirit, recognizing Jesus, I need you. God, help me. I need you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I heard Corey Russell explain it that uh, as it preludes into this next verse, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, a spiritual mourning. When we recognize where we are currently at compared to what God has called us to, there's a spiritual mourning. There's a poverty of spirit. Uh, for example, I'm going to use my health. This is a, a just a transparent uh where I'm at right now, in heaven, there's no hospitals. There's not St. Joseph Hospital in heaven. There's not, you know, whatever it is. It's, there's no, no one sick in heaven. And God's, you know, told us that, and this is actually later in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's something that's not right in my life that I'm experiencing this level of fatigue, tiredness, sickness, it's not, there's a gap between what God's called me to, prosperous health, full strength. I met a man, his name's David Hogan, he's 68 years old, and he's full of energy, he's full of health. And from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, he's healthy, and he's he's tapped into God's uh, plan for his health, and he's, he's, he's vibrant. And here I am, you know, less than half of his age, and he's got more health and strength than me at the moment. So I'm like, God, there's got to be more. There's got to be something that I'm doing wrong. There's there's things that need, I need deliverance from whatever's not right in my health. I want to experience the abundant health that you have for me, that full energy, that full strength that I'll give 110% every single day, uh, loving God with all of my strength. So that's just one example of recognizing, God, I need you. and in, in spiritual morning. It's not a great example, but the point is, and that's just one area of my life. I could go through the finances. I could go through the relationships. I could go through, I would go through all, all of them. What God's called us to and where we're currently at, if we actually realize the greatness of God and, and the fullness of his purposes and plans of what he wants to do in our life, it creates a spiritual morning where we actually cry. We actually get tears in our eyes. When's the last time you thought about God and cried? I'm not talking about you cried because the Cleveland Browns lost, okay? <laughs> the Cleveland Indians lost, 1995. I'm talking about encountering God, and it brings hot, fresh tears that we realize we need him. These are connected, again, like the onion, the layers of the teaching of Jesus. He teaches, let's start the poor in spirit. For there's the kingdom of heaven. And then the very next sentence that comes out of his mouth is, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So the, they're kind of uh, digging on top of each other, if you will, building on top of each other. So next one, he says, Blessed are the meek, M-E-E-K, the meek. 
for they shall inherit the earth. Meek is a humility. Meek is a humbleness. It's not weak. There's an M there, not a W. M-E-E-K, meek, humility, humble. Blessed are the humble. Okay, guys, God hates proud pride. He opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. There's pride in my heart. It's got to go. There's pride in my mind that's got to go. God's not attracted to that. Okay, he's got Genesis 1 on his resume. He's got Resurrection Sunday on his resume. He's got the sun uh, creating the sun, S-U-N, and, and the greatness of that. I don't even fully understand science, but how in the world do you make a sun and then measure out and calculate the earth and put them the perfect distance apart and the purposes of the sun to bless the earth? I mean, it's just it's just beyond comprehension to me and the galaxies and the gravity. And I mean, I can go on and on and on and the greatness of God's creation and the intricacies of the human body that he's made and then we as human beings strut around like we know we got it all figured out. And it's foolishness. I don't want pride in my heart, friends. I want humility. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. And then he actually gives them a promise. He says, for they shall inherit the earth. And this is obviously talking of ages to come. See, there's God's got a reward system. And right now, Heaven and hell are temporary. So when you die, absent with the body, present with the Lord, when you die, it's appointed to man once to die and after this to judgment. Once we die, our next breath is in eternity and, and stand before the judgment of God. And He, Jesus will determine, do we go to heaven or do we go to hell? Now, both of those are actually temporary. That's not the end-all, be-all. What Heaven is a temporary holding place because that will one day come to earth. Jesus is coming back. He's not staying in heaven forever. The Father's not staying in heaven forever. There, there's coming a return to this earth. And Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I believe he's talking about the age to come when he gives out his reward system. And not everyone will have the same reward in heaven. We'll get to that later on in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about how some will be called least in the kingdom, some will be called great in the kingdom. But I'm telling you, if we want to have rewards in the age to come, Humility is what attracts God, his favor, and his reward system. And then on the other flip side of hell, hell is a temporary place which we do not want to go. I've had encounters that I haven't really publicly talked about about hell. You, we don't want to go there, guys. It's, 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 it's not good. Okay, Jesus taught about it. He said there's weeping and gnashing of teeth there, and I don't want to go there. Okay, that's that's why I gave my life to Jesus in 2004 is I got so scared I was going to die and go to hell, and I said yes to Jesus. Now, since then, I've come to realize that uh, he is awesome. His goodness is amazing. His love is overwhelming, and his, the peace that he provides the soul transcends understanding, and uh, there's so many uh, more benefits to God than just not going to hell. But nevertheless, we still don't want to go there. But it is temporary. It will one day then go into the lake of fire, um, which is even worse than that. So long story short, pride uh, is not cool. It, it has eternal consequences. And um, here and now, it has consequences. And so what I mean by pride is um, the haughtiness and the arrogance. It's, it's, a, it's a word that I'm not talking about being proud where you cut grass and the stripe's perfect and you stand back in the street and you fold your arms and you look there and smile and say, man, that looks good. That's, that's a healthy satisfaction. 
I'm not talking about that because we use that word pride. Like, man, I'm I'm proud of my work. I mean, that's okay to be have gratitude and satisfaction uh, that you you know did a good job. I'm talking pride of this haughtiness, of this arrogance, of this just where we do what we want to do and we ignore God. That's pride that's not cool. So uh, the opposite of that is blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. All right, let's let's land with one more here. This is one of my favorite Bible verses, and I got to go uh, get ready here and um, pick up Naylor at the airport. I keep looking at the computer here of uh, his flight itinerary. And it uh, looks like his flight's on time, so I got. I want to make sure I'm there for him. Uh, pick him up. All right, last one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Oh, Jesus, help us, for they shall be satisfied. Okay, guys, Christianity, following Jesus, this is not some wimpy, you know, mamsy-pamsy uh, deal. There's there's so many lukewarm Christians, and Jesus actually said, I'll vomit you out of out of my mouth. This thing takes an aggressive pursuit. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And I, I think of moments in my life where I was, I've been very, very, very hungry, right? You're craving five guys, burgers and fries or Chick-fil-A, and waffle fries or whatever it is, pancakes. You're hungry. The deepest hunger pains that I've experienced in, in the natural and in, in physical food and thirsting, just, you know, when there's not water. I remember one day I helped this uh, friend, acquaintance move, all day long, and and never got offered any water. And I'm like, I I was so um, thirsty, and I didn't want to be like, you know, hey, I'm helping you move for free. Like, are you at least gonna give me a bottle of water, <laughs> whatever. But I was thirsty, okay. And um, long story short, I remember just craving water. Well, Jesus is is insinuating, listen, when you do that, when you thirst for righteousness, when you hunger for righteousness you'll actually be satisfied. When we live holy, we live squeaky clean, we live honorably for God. We're not uh, looking at websites you shouldn't be looking at. We're not watching filthy movies that have all kind of uh, sin in it. But we're, instead, it's not just um, not doing things. We're actively, aggressively, proactively Pursuing righteousness. God, how, how can I be more clean, clean before you? How can I be more pure before you? How, what is in my life that's contaminated, that's cluttering from your presence being in my life, from your glory being in my soul, God? I, I want your righteousness in my life. And when we uh, pursue that with the hunger and a thirst, and we go after righteousness with, I'm talking about going after it then we shall be filled. We shall be satisfied. And that's why so many people aren't satisfied is we've put our faith in the sins, in the alcohol, in the immorality, in the drug, in the uh, pursuit of uh, clout or money or whatever it is, and it, none of it satisfies. Uh, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a scam, if you will. It, it appears that it will satisfy, right? The first... Uh, drink it goes down and it it's uh you know you, you get the buzz or whatever as you continue and then what happens it, it the next morning you wake up with the headache and the consequences of your poor decisions from being intoxicated or the immorality 
you open your your soul up to demons and you lose the quality of relationship. I mean, I can go through every single sin. It, it, there's an initial uh, pleasure to a sin, but there's nothing but a lack of satisfaction when it's all over with. What was the Rolling Stones song? I try and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction. Well, you can, Rolling Stones, you, you could have gotten satisfaction in God. It, he Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We, we can be satisfied. God provides satisfaction. He provides it on his terms, though, and that's in righteousness. And so I'll land the plane as I'm sitting here watching the planes come and go from the St. Louis airport that the ultimate righteousness is, is found in Christ, in Jesus, in his blood. And so, no matter our righteousness is even filthy rags, Isaiah said, uh, compared to God. I believe it's in Isaiah that even on our best day, it's like our our righteousness is filthy rags before God. When you really calculate the intentions and the motives and the, just all the generational um, things that we've inherited, but we can be cleansed through Jesus's blood. He died on the cross, an innocent Jewish man, Jesus. He never sinned. He was perfect in his righteousness. He died for us, friends. We put our faith in Jesus and repent of our sins. We can't just say this one prayer one time and keep living in sin, but we turn away from our sins. We genuinely repent of our sins, put our faith in Jesus. He can cleanse us. He can purify us. He can redeem us, deliver us, save us, heal us, and set us free. And it it takes, uh, uh, the Bible says, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It takes a a future of uh, pressing into God then and to make sure that we uh, continuously stay cleansed, stay uh, walking in righteousness, shut those doors to, to sin and open those doors to righteousness. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I got a, I'm out on tour right now and I got two weeks of uh, interview scheduled, so I'm already feeling uh, my throat's tired. So I'm going to land the plane right here and uh, we'll continue with these. I hope I appreciate all the feedback you guys have been enjoying um, these and I certainly, um, just, uh, it's a, it's a check, uh, not a checklist, but it's, a it's a way for me to look at my life. God, am I poor in spirit or is there haughtiness in my life? It's, it's a way for me to compare where I'm, I'm, where I'm currently at to what Jesus taught. Blessed are the morn. When's the last time I had hot, fresh tears when I thought about God and his plan for my life and where I'm currently at? Blessed are the meek. Am I really humble before God in the interior life or is there haughtiness and pride and arrogance? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Am I aggressively pursuing the holiness of God or am I tolerating sin? These are all convicting to me, friends. This is so good. Well, we'll continue this. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening.